morning. Ah, wonderful. It's good to see you and happy birthday, church. Do you remember, kiddos, do you remember when, how Jesus met all his friends after he was raised from the dead, after his resurrection? We talked about it, right? He met the women at the grave. Remember that? Then he met Thomas. What happened with Thomas? He doubted and Jesus showed him his wounds. Remember that? Yeah, kind of. So he spent a lot of quality time with his friends. And he had a special promise. He said, well, I just prepare you. I have to leave you again, guys, but I leave you with a present. A present will come. So Jesus' friends were in Jerusalem and they were waiting and waiting and waiting for that present to arrive. You know, they didn't know how it would come. Would it come with a postman? Would it just be there all of a sudden? They didn't know, but they were waiting. Now, one day it was time. And actually, like Edinburgh at the moment, is doing a huge party, so Jerusalem was doing a huge party in a week long. Can you imagine a Jubilee festivity, basically, for a whole week? Yeah, that's, that's what they had. They had a huge Thanksgiving fest, and everyone, every Jew came to Jerusalem from all over the place. You know, they came together to have and celebrate a big Thanksgiving feast. That's what they did. And so did Jesus' friends. And as they were together, present arrived because God loves to party yeah he loves to party and he used that moment for the present to arrive and he joined the party and how well all of a sudden there was a huge wind blowing flames appeared something that looked like flames appeared over Jesus friends heads but it didn't burn them. Can you imagine that? Don't try that at home, you know, having a flame over your head, but it doesn't burn your hair. And all of a sudden, they spoke and talked and worshiped God in different languages. So imagine all of us singing alive and breathing in different languages. What a wonderful chaos that would be. It is the Holy Spirit. That was the big present that arrived that day. What a joy. Finally, Jesus' friends were able to talk with God, to feel God, to see God amongst themselves directly, like Jesus had done before. I got a little present as well. It's like this. Ooh, fancy, a fan. So can you, can you see that, kiddos? Can you see this? Yes. So what do you see? A machine. Yes, it is a machine. That's good. It's a fan. And what do you see on the fan? Can you see this? Yeah, leather bands. So it's strips. And they're just hanging. They're dangling, right? They don't do anything. But let's see what happens. Oh, ta -da. What happens? What can you see? They're all moving. Yes, they're moving. They're moving. They're not hanging anymore. And so I thought that's actually a really cool example 
of how the Spirit works within us. It moves us, it moves our hearts, it moves our minds. And that all started during that one-week fest with Jesus' friends. All of a sudden, the Holy Spirit was there. And the Holy Spirit became visible, like the wind becomes visible through the moving strings. So the Holy Spirit becomes visible, became visible in the friends, but also becomes visible in us, and us being together. We're going to hear now the story read to us from Charlotte. The coming of the Holy Spirit. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a noise like us strong blowing wind came down from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw something like flames of fire that were separated and stood over each person there. Well done. Thank you. I have a picture to show you. And what I want you to do is to tell me what these things have in common. Now, some of you instantly are thinking, barbecue. Because if you've got oil and dove and wine and fire, <laughs> you're most of the way there. And of course, being Scotland, the wind and the rain can make it awful. But let me tell you, it's not barbecue. So what do you think these things might have in common? Very good. Spirit and life. So what they have in common is that they are all pictures or images that the Bible uses for Holy Spirit. Because here are things that, that the Bible says, there's a, there's a weird word. If I said to you, type, you might imagine your phone or you might imagine a keyboard depending on your age. And type is, there's another use for that word. And what it means is, it's something or someone that gives an example of what something or someone else is like. But it's not the whole story. It's not the whole picture. And I have to tell you that, that these images, they give a picture of what Holy Spirit is like. Not one of them on its own is enough. And even all of them together are not enough. Because there's much more to God and there's much hope more to Holy Spirit than these. However, what we have is the dove. The dove nowadays is the international symbol of peace. Why? Because God is a God of peace. Holy Spirit is a God of peace. And, and when Jesus was being baptized in the River Jordan, as he was praying, we're told, the Holy Spirit came down on him like a dove. Not Holy Spirit is a dove. Holy Spirit's not a bird that was sitting in your windowsill and peck at the window because it sees its reflection. But like a dove. Gentle, peaceful. In the Old Testament, doves were um, one of the, the, the birds that were deemed to be pure and special. Like Holy Spirit. And then oil. In the Old Testament, quite often, people were anointed with oil. And that meant you took oil and you poured it on their head. And that was a sign. 
that God had chosen you for a particular role. David, we are told, was anointed with oil. So Samuel had gone to David's house. And some of you have brothers and sisters. He had quite a lot of brothers. And they were all big and tall and strong. And when you looked at them, you think, good looking guys. And Samuel had been told, go and anoint one of these to be the new king. And he went, oh, this first one, he's, that must be him. He's a really impressive specimen of manhood. And God, Holy Spirit said to him, actually, no. You're looking at the outside. I'm looking at the inside. And so they went through all of the boys. And, and the Holy Spirit kept saying, no, it's none of them. And eventually they said, well, who's left? You know, well, hmm. There's wee Davy. They probably didn't say that, but you know, David's, David's a shepherd. He's out looking after the sheep. He says, well, you better bring him in. And it was, it was kind of like that. Oh, well, okay, well, last, last goal. Let's, let's look at him and see what he's like. And he was just a wee boy. And yet, Holy Spirit said to Samuel, he's the one. He's the one. And Samuel anointed David with oil. And it says, from that moment on, the Holy Spirit came in power on David. And then we have fire. Fire can be good. If you have a forest fire, you think, oh, that's burning everything up. But the forest needs that sometimes so that new growth can happen. So it can be good. Moses in the Old Testament, he was in the desert. He was looking after the sheep. And he saw a bush that appeared to be on fire, but it wasn't being destroyed. Now, that's really weird. Right? So he did what I would have done. He walked over. Quite casual. Hello. And then from the fire, God spoke to him and said, you're going to take your shoes off because you're standing on holy ground. And the Holy Spirit said to him, I want you to go and set my people free from slavery in Egypt. Fire gave him the task, the job that he was to, to do. Fire can also destroy things. The prophet Elijah, well, he got really annoyed. So there was a drought in the country. Drought means there wasn't any rain, there was no water. And he was a bit fed up really, because the people of God were ignoring God, and they were worshipping this other God called Baal. And he said, something that you probably shouldn't do, right? He said, we're going to have a wee competition, boys. There's 450 of you who uh, worship Baal, and there's me for God, right? We'll have a wee competition. We'll see who the true God is. So, the prophets of Baal went first and they jumped about and they danced and they sang and they beat themselves with sticks and all sorts of stuff. And Elijah's going, eh, maybe he's sleeping. Maybe you need to shout louder. So they shouted louder. Nothing happened. Maybe he's away for a walk. Maybe he's busy. Maybe he's just not listening to you. Shout louder again. So he shouted louder again. Nothing happened. And then Elijah said, right, okay, it's my turn. And he said, God, I need you to show these people that you and you only are God. 
So he built an altar. And he was ready with a sacrifice. And then he said to them, and I don't know how they did this because there was a drought, bring some water. Bring me four big jars of water. And they poured the water over the altar. And they had dug a trench around it. And he said, bring more water. So they brought three times they brought these jars of water. And the trench around the altar was full of, of water. And everything was soaked. And then it says, he lifted his eyes to heaven. He looked up and he said, now God... My kind of taking it is, do your thing. Right? Show them, God, that you are real. And it says, fire fell from heaven. And didn't just burn up the meat for the offering. Didn't just burn up the wood in the offering. It burnt the very stone and it turned it to ash and it dried up all of the water that was in this roundabout. When God acts, amazing things happen. So fire can be good. It can also be really dangerous. Please don't play with it at home. The wind. Well, we can't control the wind. We try, you know, we do our windmills and we do all of that. And it's great that we can harness the power of the wind. But we can't control it. Because sometimes when you look at the windmills on the hill, they're not moving. Because there's no wind. We can't control it. And we cannot control the Holy Spirit. We've got, we've got no idea what Holy Spirit is going to do next. We've got no idea where God is working in the world. Our job is to say, where are you working, God? And go and join in. And then we get to water. In John 4, Jesus says to a lady that he's met, whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Now, who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want to be the kind of person in whom the Holy Spirit lives so much that wherever you go, God works? That wherever you go, the life of God overflows from you into the world, into the community, into giving hope to people who are hopeless, to life, to people who need life. Who wouldn't want that? Water is essential for life, and so too is the Holy Spirit. I hope you had a wee wash this morning, because the wash makes you clean. It stops you being whiffy under the armpits and all that kind of stuff, right? You need the water to wash and to be clean, and we need the Holy Spirit to clean us. You see, we're meant to become more and more like Jesus as we go through life, and Holy Spirit does that for us. And then we have the wine now, wine was a bit of a funny one. In Ephesians chapter 5, 18, it says, don't drink too much wine. That cheapens your life. It doesn't say, don't drink any wine at all. It says, don't drink too much. And then he says, drink the Spirit of God, huge drafts of him. I love that picture. It's like, it's like when Jesus went to the wedding at Cana, right? and there were huge, great, enormous jars full of water and he turned them into wine and it's like you've just ducked your head right in it when you're duking for apples it takes huge drafts of this stuff holy spirit god wants you to do that of him to say god will you fill me to overflowing do your work in me i want more of you when jesus 
was with his friends on the night that he was betrayed. He, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body that's broken for you. And then he, he passed around a, a, a cup of wine and he said, do you know what? This wine represents a new thing, a new promise, a new covenant. From this time, he's saying, you get to interact with me and with God the Father in a new and a different way. Because Holy Spirit is coming. And the Holy Spirit is the seal to that promise of a new covenant. And then, if you read on from where Charlotte read in the story in Acts chapter 2, what happened was, there was all the noise, you see, because that's sometimes what happens. We like to be, to be doing things decently in order in the church. But actually, where was the decent order in that? It was mayhem. It was madness. It was noisy and exciting and vibrant and dynamic. So much so that people watching on thought they were drunk. So Peter, he gets to stand up and he says this, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I'm saying. These people are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. This is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit on those days and they will prophesy. Do you know what? Some of you came to me recently with an idea that we turned this place into a skate park. Now, you hear the laugh, right? Do you know what? I'm sure you've guessed, I know because people told me, but I'm sure you've guessed that there are folk here who went, what a stupid idea that was. Right? I'm sure, I'm sure there were, right? And I have to be honest with you, it might be, it might be the worst idea ever. Right? But whose name was first on your list to sign your petition? My name. Why? Because I want you to dream dreams. I want you to have visions. I want you to have big ideas. I want you to do things that none of us have ever thought of before. I want you to get excited and passionate about church. But more important, I want you to get excited and passionate about God. God has amazing things for you. You know, Samuel was just a wee boy. And he went to bed one night and got, literally God spoke. He heard a voice and he thought it was Eli. His, his teacher. And it wasn't, it was God. You see, young people very often are better at hearing God than us old folk. Because we've got so many other things going on. I want you to listen for God. I want you to ask God to fill you with dreams and visions. I want you to hear what he's saying. And I want you to bring them to us. Because do you know what? If your idea is of God, how could we say no? If it's not from God, we should say no, right? Just putting that out there. But if it is from God, then we can't say no. And ladies and gentlemen, it's not just for, for our young people. It says our old people will have dreams and visions. So from the youngest to the oldest, God speaks to his people.
God has plans and purposes for his people. God wants to give us more than we can ever ask or imagine. And you know what? I can imagine a lot. I've got a good imagination. I've done what they did in the past. And people have looked at me as if I was stupid. And sometimes I was. Do you know? Sometimes it was just my flight of fancy. But sometimes it was God. And we need to discern those moments. We need to ask him to fill us. As we go about our daily business, we say, God, take me to the right people today. Take me to those people that you want me to speak to. Sometimes so that I can encourage them or challenge them. And sometimes so that I can be encouraged and challenged. God, you lead me. You guide me. You direct my path. These are the days when Joel said hundreds of years before Jesus, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit. Pentecost was the day. Pentecost was the day he poured out his spirit on his people. God is at work in the world. You and I need to work out where and join in. We need to pray that he will fill us and fill us and fill us to overflowing because that's what he longs to do. And so we're just going to do that now. Let's pray together. Our Father, we thank you for that promise for promise of, of dreams and visions, but so much more than that, that when we come to you, when we give ourselves to you, you fill us with your spirit so much that, that streams of living water flow from us. That's what we long for. Father, that water deals with people who are thirsty. It washes clean those who are dirty. It purifies the unrighteous. It makes us more like Jesus. And so, Father, will you fill us today again with your Spirit to do those things that we never thought possible. Father, today and, and in the weeks and months and years ahead, will you give us dreams and visions that are from you? We look at all the stuff around presbytery planning. We look at all the stuff about the church and, you know, it, it sucks the life out of us. But you are a life-giving God. And so we pray that you would give us life in all its fullness so that we can love you and serve you and honour you wherever we are, wherever you've called us and put us in the place that we are anointed to be. Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you're, you long to fill us. You're just waiting there for us to say, yes, Lord, take me and use me. And so that's our prayer today. And Father, for those who are at the Meadows Festival already, for those of us who are going down there, would you give us encounters that we couldn't imagine? Would you enable us to speak to people to bring words of life? words of hope, of joy and of peace, words of grace and mercy and compassion, because that's who you are, and we want to follow you. Amen.